Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algema to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. I'm very good. I bought my second Deuter backpack today. What's a Deuter backpack? It's the German backpack brand. It's weird. This is the second conversation I've had about backpacks in the last two hours. And I feel like both those conversations ended in, ended in, this is a very German backpack. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. I recognize the brand straight away. I, and I recognize it because I have that backpack. <laughs> so I just didn't know it was called the, that. I don't pay attention to the brands, you know me. I don't follow the, the, the sort of weather vein of trends. I'm just, I buck them if anything. Uh, so you've got two of these backpacks is it a heavy duty one is it a big hiking monstrous backpack for like climbing into the mountains and attaching tents and yeah you um, can say that walking sticks too and stuff like that you can say that it's to take stuff to school ah right so it's one of the uh, the ones that came up for me straight away were the big bad heavy duty ones but i'm guessing you've got something a little bit lighter a little bit lighter, but it has more room than my previous bag. My half my backpack is uh, snacks and food. I needed a new <laughs> backpack. <laughs> so that's why you need a hiking backpack, because there's lots of pouches and pockets to hide your lots of room. various yeah. fruits and sweets. And fruit! I'm guessing... Do you want to tell people where we are on the fruit corner, Nick? I don't want to talk about the fruit corner. Only that producer Simon's vetoed it this week. So uh, much to my delight. Uh, I listeners, really want to eat producer fruit. Simon is shaking his head vehemently. I think you're going to hear from your father again. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, as far as I know, my father doesn't care about what producer Simon is. I feel like it's three weeks in a row we've mentioned my dad. It's enough, right? It's not. If he comes Hi, up Reverend periodically Houghton. on the podcast, it's fine. But and And I love him. But I don't think he needs to feature as the main the main protagonist of the show. So I'm just gonna just gonna say now, either start the fan club or or don't. One of the two. It's fine. Um, that's all I'm thinking of. But yeah, these Deuter backpacks are, are very are very neat. Um, funnily enough, I think my wife has one of these as well. Um, for very similar reasons to carry around a multitude of different items. I wasn't a backpack person, actually, before I came to Germany, but it seems to be the most back-friendly, joint-friendly uh, form of carrying things around. What kind of person were you before before you became a rucksack person? I liked handbags. I still do, though. Fancy handbags or just like self-crocheted handbags? What are we talking about? I, I wouldn't say they're fancy. I mean, it's not like they're Ralph Lauren or something. Is that what you mean by fancy? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I, let's be honest, we're, we're entering territory I have no idea of. Um, <laughs> I know the word clutch is important, but that's a very Ooh, small handbag. I've always wanted a clutch. Right. I don't have a fancy clutch. I need one. I feel like this is partly why I wanted you on the podcast, so I could learn new things in areas of where my knowledge is hazy. So You yeah. know, Nick, I've been trying. I've been trying to get you to try fruit, and guess where that's gone now? Goodbye, fruit <sighs> corner. I mean, I'll come back just... God, no one, no, as, as producer Simon said, no one needs to hear me complain about eating fruit every two weeks. Um, <laughs> but they did, did, I think they enjoy you talking about fruit, less me talking about fruit. So I should have a monologue. I don't worry. I mean, we don't need to talk about fruit because you've had, uh, you've got, you've got a, an update on your ongoing issue with squatting pigeons on your balcony. Oh, Jesus. So you, you ran me through some interesting information you discovered about your pigeons. So, so tell me. So last week we left it. You'd come home after being away in Frankfurt for a few weeks. You come back. You've got pigeons squatting on your balcony, which I can imagine isn't great. They've built a nest. They've settled in. Where are we now? There were eggs, and then a couple of days later, there were chicks. Oh, wow. So they've they've procreated. They have. And uh, now they're at the stage where they're like buttery downy. It's like shedding and they have like little prickly feathers coming out. Can you take a photo? Because I believe it's a it's an internet trope that no one's ever seen a baby pigeon before. Really? You never see baby. Well, you never see baby pigeons. You just see pigeons, don't you? So take some photos. You've got you've got some solid evidence. 
internet breaking information you've got. I see. I didn't know this. I will take one tomorrow. Oh, well. So yeah. the thing is, I had the pigeons and, and the, there was a mama pigeon and a papa pigeon and they had a friend pigeon and like all mm-hmm. three of them were around. A friend pigeon. Are you telling me? Are you telling me there's a very modern pigeon? Yes. And they're actually in. They're actually in a throuple. Is that what you're telling yes, me? Yes. Yes. They are. Uh, I understand. They are co-parents <laughs> in this open relationship. <laughs> and then, like from one day to the next, all the adult pigeons were gone. Uh-huh. So I woke up in the morning. It was like around seven a.m. and there were uh-huh. there was no pigeon, just the chicks and. I can see from my bathroom window that they are breathing. They're like heaving little masses. Yeah. And I was a bit concerned because I've never seen the chicks like that without their mom, at least. And then I went to school, came back in the afternoon, and there was still no mom to be seen. And I was really worried that she, like, like you know, they must have, like, got scared of me and just left because this is outside oh, no. my bathroom, their nest. Yeah. And I sing. Oh right, okay. So it's that's the concern. Is it? I, 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 I mean, I'm very careful. I try to like keep the window closed, and then that day, I just, you know, I came home and I called people. I, I actually looked things up on the net, but that's very scary for me because every mm-hmm. article about pigeons has pictures of pigeons, like close-ups, and I'm the one who's scared of birds. <laughs> I don't need that in yeah. my life. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and then I called people, and there was one woman who said. Well, oh, uh, that's really sad, but this is what happens. Sometimes the parents just go away and the chicks die, but that is life. Wait, did you touch the chicks? Maybe that's why the parents aren't coming. I'm like, yeah, lady, that didn't happen and that's never going to happen. Did you Did you touch those rats of the sky? <laughs> those notoriously disease-ridden animals that are living on your balcony um and then I could and then someone else said now I have to feed them and gave me recommendations for bird bird porridge bird bry as a fogel bry oh geez have they become dependents now have you got to you've got to feed them as well i mean i have wor- I, I, I can't imagine like ugh, looking into their big red mouths or whatever it is look 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 frankly i, I feel like there's this thing called this the the sort of law of the jungle or rather the um survival of the fittest if these pigeons aren't fit enough to survive, you should just just let them just let them toddle off. You know that'll be the end of them. Okay, you're gonna like hear from the Peter over this. So the one thing worse than having pigeons on your balcony is having dying baby pigeons on your balcony, Nick. That's true. Yes, I appreciate that. I was exchanging messages with some tear shoots person, like a animal care shelter person from Haller, and uh, you know telling me that I should have water and wheat outside for the adults to entice them to come back and stuff. Right. 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 That's what I need. Oh, look at me. I can't get rid of the pigeons that I keep feeding. So the way to attract deadbeat pigeon parents <laughs> is to like leave a trail of wheat. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, con- I'm talking to this woman and suddenly the pigeon is back. I mean, I even spoke to a vet and what they all forgot to tell me was that when the chicks are older, then the mom leaves for a while to get food and stuff and she comes back later in the day. And nobody told me that. They just made me feel like, oh, okay, it's abandoned chicks and you have to feed them and keep them warm and clean up after them. But the interesting thing was I looked up something came up on the PETA website in Germany. So it says that the first thing you have to do is you have to identify what kind of pigeon or dove variety it is. I mean, obviously, they are like the usual city pigeons or urban pigeons, at least. City city pigeons playing playing craps (laughs) and wearing trilby hats. They're city pigeons. Town mouse and the country mouse kind of thing. And... uh, if you have pigeons, if they're building a nest, you can, and if you have cats or something, you can move the nest, but you shouldn't throw it away because the animals get very distressed and they will start building a nest in the same place. Apparently, pigeons can be very territorial like that. If they have laid eggs, you, uh, you shouldn't 
uh, get rid of their nest and the eggs. You ca- you're not supposed to do that because the birds will be distressed and they will lay eggs in the same place again. What you can do, though, is to replace the eggs. You can throw away the eggs as long as you put fake eggs in the nest for the pigeons to brood over. It seems a bit cruel. <laughs> and the pl- they can be plastic eggs, but they can't be hollow because... Because they'll know. They will know. Ap- ap- apologies to Peter, but uh, they-, they are very dubious as a group. Uh, uh, they haven't always had the most ethical kind of perspectives and certainly uh, yeah i don't know um uh, i don't know why you that seems like something you would do if you were in uh sort of urban planning or in some kind of capacity of, of working in a city center where you had an issue with lots of pigeons that seems like a, a relatively normal thing you might do to control p- pigeon populations mm-hmm. but as the average individual with pigeons on your balcony it just seems like unnecessarily cruel <laughs> just like it is. But the thing is, I live in a building that is now owned by a very big law, uh, law firm. And if their capabilities of taking care of buildings are any indication of their actual work as lawyers, um, I, I, um, I'd rather hire a dentist when I need to go to court. Oh, jeez. And the place is swarming with pigeons. They build a net, uh, they, build, they put up a net underneath a balcony so that the Pigeons won't nest just underneath the balcony. But the thing is, it's an open net on both sides. So pigeons nest on the net meant to keep oh. them away from un- from the underneath of the balcony. Honestly, what the fuck is a law firm doing owning apartments? How have we got to this pl- place in 2023 where just like any fucking random person becomes... A- Everyone's a bloody landlord. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I fucking hate landlords, honestly. I do. Fucking Thank hate- you. Fucking hate them. Honestly, I will I, never I like- be a landlord. Or landlady. I, 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 I'm, I'm with Adam Smith on this. He's, he, the, the, the father of modern economics said they were fucking parasites, and I believe that's that the case so too. That is so true. I f- honestly feel like I just think, I just think it's a horrendous, a horrendous. It's not even a profession. Professions usually involve doing something, but more often than not. And there was, a, there was a thing in, um, I forget which media outlet went to some renters conference. Oh no, it was a, a landlords conference mm-hmm. in London, and there was all these landlords complaining about how hard they had it. And it's just like, oh, suck it. Yeah. Oh, boo hoo. Boo fucking who. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, yeah, maybe it's the case that your landlords need to actually get involved to ensure that there isn't literal vermin in your house. But I mean, if it was rats, it would be a different story, right? I mean, I, I think uh, I've been writing, I mean, I wrote to the previous landlady and with photos of all the pigeons at the entrance and she got someone to clean it up. And then a neighbor recently said, ah, the new landlord, they, they are taking care of things. I have a good mind to poison the pigeons, which I do not want him to do, as annoying as the pigeons are. And how can he control who eats whatever poison he lays out? There are also other birds and dead poison pigeons could fall into the water supply. And It's whales. totally illegal as well. I can it's guarantee you It's absolutely illegal. Totally- it's t- massively illegal. I can't imagine like, doing it's that. So it's so dangerous. I mean, how can you control the after effects? It's stupid people with, with stupid ideas. Absolutely. But also, stupid stupid ideas stem from frustration with situations too. So yeah, that is, that I get though. I I understand that it's the landlord's uh, move now, but he is too busy. I think being a very good lawyer somewhere. Yeah, not great. Yeah, I'm not telling anyone this though that I have baby pigeons because I'm told. That if the housemeister gets to know, and uh, the thing is, we don't have one because <laughs> that's how good the landlord is. But you don't, you don't have baby pigeons. You have suddenly become responsible for a family of pigeons that have appeared. It's not like you brought them into your home. It's not like they're pets. They're still. I say hello. Still... Oh, of course you do, Dilly. <laughs> it's just like a <laughs> Disney movie. You can't wake up in the morning. Yeah, it's singing, the sun's shining, the birds are twittering around your head. I can I've see given it them now. a bowl of water so that they don't have of to go far. Of course you have. And it's very warm. Of course you have. And you've named them. They've all got names. Maurice. <laughs> I don't want to know their names. I already know too much about your bloody pigeons. The thing is, uh. I'm scared of birds. But four times in my life, <laughs> I have called out to birds and have had conversations <gasps> with them. And they've flown towards me and I've run away screaming. 
<laughs> and I see this happening with the pigeons because now they nowadays a woodpecker <gasps> and three what? tiny okay, birds. Okay, it's a fucking woodpecker. What is this soap opera of fucking avian aviation <laughs> like drama that's occurring in your there's a woodpecker there's a woodpe- a he's, red, he's a real lothario all the ladybirds love him you know he's really popular and uh and he wears a denim jacket i'm guessing he, i'm guessing the woodpecker in this dynamic is the bad boy character right i'm assuming where so. did you get this from I, have I, you watched i don't know because every good story needs like the bad the bad sort of the bad guy you know i need to I was trying to remember the technical term. It's not protagonist. I think I would like to think that the bad guy, literally in this case, is Peter, that he's trying to make me part of pigeon contraception. I'm just going to start taking notes when you when you do these updates about the pigeons, and then later down the line, I'm going to write a kid's book about family of pigeons. Maurice. <laughs> Maurice the pigeon. It's, just, it's already it's right it's itself, you know, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Very visual. Um, yeah, we'll have to move on from, from the, your pigeon chat. Because we have uh, have some important updates. Fuck you, Royal, if it's going to be football. Fuck you, Royal, if of you cut me short to bring in football when you World already cancelled on the fruit corner. Well, I mean, you can just be, you can complain about it while me and Simon delight with another England victory. Yeah, England won against Colombia. And what I could possibly claim to be one of the games of the tournament, it was fantastic. Lots of action. Two very... Yeah, scrappy goals, or at least one very scrappy goal, one slightly scrappy goal from England, and a howitzer from Colombia. Um, it was it was very uh, good to watch. I, I was a little bit nervous first half. Colombia scored, I think, in the fortieth minute, and I felt like I've seen this story before. But as England seems to do now, in the uh, in as, as I enter my forties, they seem to have a capability to dig deep. And uh, mm-hmm. so they did. They equalized before the end of the first half and then came back with a lovely second that had me leaping out of my chair and shouting, yes, and my daughter going, daddy, daddy, why are you shouting? <laughs> I'm with her. So, yeah, very good. I think it was Russo that scored the second. Uh, very well taken goal. And as as dramatic as that was, it wasn't half as dramatic as the Australia-France game that I believe came before it, Australia, oh yeah, I mean, they, they rode their luck at points. They certainly could well have been 2-0 down in the, the, the first sort of 20, 25 minutes. But Australia did did manage to sort of fight their way back into the game, took it to penalties, and fucking hell, another round of penalties. The, I think the, what was the final, the final score on the penalties was 7-6, but I can't remember. That wasn't the number of penalties. There was more penalties. It felt like that penalty shootout went on for about 45 minutes in itself. It's painful, painful to watch. Simon, you're shaking your head. Are you shaking your head because I got the times wrong or because... Well, I, d- I don't know about the times, but definitely it was 7-6. And it, in some ways it was calming for me for the England-Columbia game because I was so mentally exhausted after watching France... Australia that I was sort of spent and and I was sort of maybe more able to enjoy the England uh, Columbia game and I was thankful it did not go to penalties because I, I that would have ruined me I think oh, I couldn't have taken that no not at all not at all yeah. I don't know I I find that I should, probably shouldn't watch England games it makes me very fragile I feel uh, England were in control for the vast majority of that of that game against Colombia and then yeah. As soon as it, my, my my sort of emotions rocketed around the the sort of the, the end of the first half, mm. um, just uh, I'd never have the confidence. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your pick? I mean, we're we're as we record this, we've got the semi final tomorrow, England Australia, and I don't know which way that's going to go. Yeah, Spain won against Sweden, so they're the finalists uh, that, will, that either Australia or England will be facing, and my. Head says Australia, but as I just said to you before the start of the pod, England's real lucky. They've been really lucky mm. in a few of these games. In crucial moments, the luck's been with them. And I, and I often think it's better to be lucky than skillful. And um, I think there's a narrative here of, of England putting out Australia in their own tournament. I could see that happening. So I wouldn't be totally unexpected, but I do I, I have more confidence in I'd put my money on Australia going through they seem to have built a, a head of steam and i think it would be nice to see australia win in australia too 
But England does have a, um, a track record of putting Australia out of its own tournaments in various sports. So, Yeah, we'll have to see. And then the final on Sunday, which will be the day after this was released. So, yeah, that's the big one. Well, either I'll be celebrating or I'll be... There is a, a third round tie, a, a third a third place playoff, isn't there? On Saturday, yeah. God, what yeah. a most pointless bloody game. I hope we're not in that. Ugh, ugh horrendous yeah. but yeah i guess i guess we'll know we'll know by next tuesday we'll have a full recap of the uh maybe dedicate the whole show what do you think dilly <laughs> yeah dilly what do you think oh Signals. she's got internet problems Signals. again. oh yeah she's, she's just claiming internet from yeah whatever whatever <laughs> i mean this is women's football i can't believe you're so disinterested but okay, it's football whatever. it's football it's a kind of football it's still uh, you I, 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 I still don't understand i feel like you just you just willingly not even bothering. At least I've eaten two types of fruit. What? I've made the what effort. did you eat? You haven't even. You you what haven't. Did you eat, you Nick? haven't even watched it. Hey, what two types we, of fruit a, did you eat? We've got audio evidence. It's like bedroom. Man, last, it's a. It's not a yeah. bed. It's a kind of room. It's it's not women. It's women's football. It's a kind of football. That's the logic behind it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're. I feel like you're being stubborn for no no real reason. Why won't you let yourself have some joy in your life, Dilly? That's called fruit. You're not going to hear the end of it, Nick. Get used to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how, how do I introduce this new topic? The thing is, we just spoke about football, which takes us to rubbish. So, Ajit Niranjan is the European Environment Correspondent for The Guardian. And he asked on Twitter of Germans and foreigners... Um, about their strangest tales involving rubbish. Contrary to some expectations I've encountered as a Sri Lankan who moved to Germany, I am quite used to um, uh, separating the organic waste and burying it in the garden. We give up plastic uh, stuff to be recycled. But when I moved here, and these are my tales and my experiences of rubbish and getting uh, like rubbish collection in Germany, I had to tell my flatmates things like, you know, the cardboard loo roll thing that, that can go in the cardboard and it needn't go into a landfill somewhere. I um, I mean, I have so many tales of uh, Sperrmüll, which is, um, mm -hmm. do we have a word for Sperrmüll in English? Uh, probably. It's the kind of, well, it's, it's what you want to get rid of, but it's big. It's like furniture, um, garden chairs or what have you. And uh, twice a year, you can ask your local authorities and you do this online. You can ask them to come around and uh, take away whatever furniture you want to get rid of. I, I don't know what they do with it, but they take it away. You have like organized, in Britain you can get like organized, or at least you, you used to be able to do that. I'm not sure if it's still the case. Mm. And it, now that we're sort of 10 years down the line, they probably charge you loads and loads of money for it. But you could call the council and they would come and pick up bulky waste is basically what spermal true i guess that's the best translation yeah. you're going to get for that yeah. and uh it has its own rules so if your uh, bulky waste is being collected tomorrow the earliest you can have it outside on the street is today 6 30 in the in mm -hmm. the evening any earlier and you can be fined what, for having your your bins on the street? Not the bins, the spermel. Yeah, oh, right, okay, having the, the bulky the waste. Bulky waste, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, if people think, oh, look at that, it's a nice chair, it can do with some repair, but I can take care of it, they can also just take it away, and that's all right, mm -hmm. I think. But tell me, Nick, I'm not the, well, I'm not the only foreigner here. What sort of things did you have to get used to when it came to rubbish in Germany, when you moved here? Well, I, if I'm right, I mean, in Britain, we'd got to a point where you had have these weird dinky bins where you have cardboard waste and bottles. It's quite funny, right? So in, in a country like Britain, mm. where people drink large quantities of alcohol at the best of times, and certainly now with cash constraints and a cost of living crisis, more and more people are drinking at home. They give you like a dinky little bin that you put within your bin, your bigger bin, for bottles and cans mm -hmm. 
but it was so small it would only last like a couple of days before you sort of you'd go into the streets and see other people's bins were overflowing with glass bottles because there just wasn't enough space but you had like one bin for glass bottles and cans and cardboard and another for everything else and that was the kind of divisions and then i got to germany and you had the black bin the yellow bin the brown bin you had the gelber sack you had the blue had, bin for paper yeah blue bin for paper in some instances you have different like when i was staying when i've lived in in, in certain apartments that have different methodologies to others it depends if you have wheelie bins or if you have big skips there's loads of different variations on the theme the thing that was most sort of upsetting i think was the fact how much you needed to clean bins and how few people would do that yes so when i stayed in third we had like the hoff in the middle of the house mm. and that's where the bins were and in summer, it just became like fly infested. Like you'd open the bin and there would be like Ew. wriggling maggots and stuff. Yeah. It'd be disgusting because people just didn't take responsibility for cleaning and really, and it was stank yeah. and it's not great at all. Now I live in the sort of sticks. It's all very, it's quite pleasant. We've got our own bins. We've got, some people have little bin houses that they put <laughs> their bins in. That's quite sweet. Um, we put the bins out with regularity and you sort of say hello to your neighbors and it all feels a little bit like the 1950s. And it's it's very nice. It's not bad, but the only weird thing we have here is that you can't recycle your cardboard. You have to take that to the recycling hall, which means we have like in our basement we have like uh, collections of cardboard, and once those boxes are filled, I have to pile it all in the car and drive it over to the recycling hall. Otherwise, there's no recycling the cardboard. It's a bit weird, I know. Oh, that's strange. We also have like a, a special recycling off for garden waste. So not all garden waste is allowed to go in our gardening bins. And some stuff, especially large quantities, have to go and be taken to this private company that charges you 25 euros a pop minimum charge to get rid of your, your sort of garden, large quantities of garden waste. Like grass cuttings? Not nah, more than that. It's you're talking about. We well, we cut down a tree, oh, okay. so disposing yeah. of the tree itself, aside for the bits that we kept to use as firewood, most of everything else had to be taken over there. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I put like boxes. I break them down and put them in the paper. I think that's normal. An interesting thing is that glass has to be brought around to the glass containers. Yeah, we have some of those across the road. Across the road. Is it loud then at your place? Yeah, it was someone doing it this morning at 7.30. There's usually someone, because I've got a lot of um, people in their kind of retirees mm -hmm. or OAPs knocking around, they're frequently on the balcony shouting at people telling them to stop recycling their glass so loudly. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. It's a fun little debacle, but mostly it's not so bad. But yeah. You have to, you've got white glass and then you've got the stuff you've got a fan on. So I've got some like beer bottles mm. and water bottles that we can get the fan back That's on. That's like the deposit. So yeah, the deposit. So we've got like a range of different things. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I think the social aspect of doing the bins is slightly more difficult to navigate than the actual bins themselves, don't you think? The social aspect of doing the bins. Like it's something I've found that the bins are the place where if you're going to get in an argument with your neighbors, that's where you're going to get have that argument. It's at the bins. Oh, yeah. you're oftentimes, certainly older residents will use the bins as some kind of teaching tool for younger people, or they'll use it as a way of kind of asserting dominance and power over people by complaining yeah. incessantly yeah. about the way they do the research. Like we had one of our landlords lived, and this is quite common in Germany, you'll have an apartment block, maybe three or four floors. It was built maybe in the 70s. The people who are the landlords live in a downstairs apartment. And I used to have run-ins with my former landlord a, a number of times mm. because the preferred way that they would do their food waste mm. was they'd wrap it in like nice little parcels of paper. Mm. Like they looked like they were so well wrapped it could go under the Christmas tree type parcels, mm. except they're full of like vegetable offcuts. And uh, I just couldn't fathom how you were meant to do that. So we bought BO bags that would disintegrate or degrade. Mm -hmm. And uh, our landlord did not like that. He felt like that was not the way that you should be doing your bins. 
and we'd have consistent kind of discussions about it to the point where I just stopped going and doing the bins because I just couldn't face it. Oh, because I've seen like one housemeister, this one, the caretaker, having a go at one of the tenants because he was throwing out his uh, bio uh, organic waste and it was in a bag, which I think the man thought was just plastic. It, but it was one yeah. of those uh, compostable things that yeah. looks like plastic but isn't. And I think my neighbor knew that, but he didn't have the German to explain it. And the man, the caretaker was being quite rude to him. Like you said, it's something that when there are like very strict rules like that, then people take it on themselves to impose the rules, but also in a way that they get like a, uh, it's something to like lord over other people. And I think they get a teeny bit of pleasure from it. But I also think there's a, there's a part, like I can't explain it, and it's something that I've been thinking about uh, over the last couple of weeks. There's a weird strain of, like I don't know what you would describe righteousness, it as, uh, like oh, not righteousness, like overcorrection. Mm. That like if if your German isn't you're explaining something and your German isn't quite or is slightly, it can be slightly imperfect mm -hmm. or just isn't perfect at, at all, or is a little bit ropey. What you find is that the way Germans fill in the gaps, often older Germans will fill in the gaps, is by creating an entirely different narrative and and kind of creating their own reality almost. Mm. So if you if you explain in poor German that this is a biodegradable bag, mm -hmm. for some people, and, 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 and it happens enough for me to think that there's like a sort of a good portion of the population, they will correct that narrative to fit their understanding. Mm. So it's, it's you're wrong. There's no such thing as biodegradable bags yeah. or something like that. They'll create like an extreme version of the, the reality that you've sort of expressed to them. Yeah. The, the most typical form it takes, and I'm not sure if this has happened to you, have you ever had someone spell your name correctly? Like the way they think it should be spelled because you've been spelling it incorrectly. Has that ever happened to you before? Um, honestly, it hasn't. They just shorten it. Well, so yeah, they just short, yeah. they just fix yeah. it. They fix it for you. Ah. Ha has happened to me uh, on contracts before, where they've decided my name can't possibly be spelt Nicholas N I C H O L A S. It has to be spelt with a K, and it can't possibly be Houghton with one N. It's two Ns, oh. and so they correct my name. And that happens often in the same kind of dynamic with the bins, where they overcorrect things, and you get this kind of interaction where. You just got two mismatched realities clashing, mm. and there's a very little attempt to kind of understand what is actually being expressed, although imperfectly. And I find that is definitely something that happens with the bins, and certainly happens with the men and women dynamic, mm. or foreigner German dynamic, or overbearing foreigner to new foreigner dynamic. That is true. Which that is, is true. Equally annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm integrated, you're not. You need to do better, kind of vibe. Um, so yeah, I do think I do see it as a weird like power play within within shared apartments and and and, and sort of blocks of flats. I once hosted a friend from India, and she was with me for like five days. And in that time, she didn't get around to sorting out the rubbish the way we do. And once she had left a banana skin in the recycling, the yellow bag. And a flatmate of mine was like outraged. She took me aside and she was like, hi, you know, this doesn't work. I'm just annoyed and it smells different, everything. And the moment she said, everything smells different and I knew where this was going. And then I said, like, you know what? It's just a banana skin. If you think that that's not where it belongs and it doesn't, you can also just as well pick it up and put it in the beer mill. So go ahead. And um, kind of, I, you know, I stood up for my friend and her banana skins. <laughs> my flatware had to go back to a room with a tail between the legs. Guests can find it complicated. Like it's confusing for it people is. who don't have that experience. And I think there is that little bit of like, oh, well, you don't understand, do you? Because we have this really special way here that we do things yeah. and you're doing it wrong and we need to explain it to you. So there is that aspect. I mean, more often than not, I've had quite nice interactions at the bins. So and I've had lovely experiences at re the Recycling Hof. 
uh, with various people. But I do think there's that power dynamic that's in play that is definitely corrosive to relationships. <laughs> it's probably been the most talked about transfer in Europe this summer. But last week, England striker, England captain, my God, Harry Kane, bid farewell to Tottenham his club of 19 years and joined by Munich for a whopping 120 million euros. Things did not go well for poor Harry though initially. First, there was some trouble actually getting to Munich and there was, I think he believed he had to arrive on a Cessna twin engine plane, which is not how I'd want to arrive anywhere knowing their safety record. Uh, but he arrived in Munich, signed his new contract, was giving a stand standing ovation by fans who were waiting outside. And then he had to suffer the ignominy of, of, of uh, a defeat on his debut. Not his full debut. Uh, he only came on as a substitute, but he was part of the team, the buying team that was defeated heavily by RB Leipzig 3-0 in the Super Cup at the weekend. Uh, and he only played, as I said, half an hour. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited, but also quite saddened by this move by Harry Kane. I'm excited because I think he's going to wreck the Bundesliga I'm saddened because he's joined Bayern Munich. Boo, Bayern Munich. And if you're a Bayern fan listener, boo to you too. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm also, again, I'm excited because it means Alan Shearer's record as top goal scorer in the Premier League will definitely remain intact uh, now that Harry Kane has left. But also sad because I do feel like it's a bit of a step down for um, someone who's been a fantastic striker in the Premier League and still has a lot to offer. So yeah, Bayern fans were obviously excited and Munich is generally excited as well. In the center of Munich, there's a giant poster of Harry Kane that's been placed on one of the theaters at the Sendlinger Tour. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Kane fever on the go. I've been singing periodically in between the segments, listener, unless um, our delightful producer has decided to include any of my singing. <laughs> I have been singing uh, this the song that's been played to celebrate the arrival of Harry Kane to uh, Bayern Munich, which is uh, Rock Rock You Like a Hurricane by the German rock band Scorpions. And it is uh, it's very fitting. A little bit cheesy, but that's how German football rolls. So that's okay. I guess the question is, what can Kane expect from life in Munich? Well, the beer and sausages will probably be off the table. They aren't the food of champions after all. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Kane in Lederhosen at the Bayern outing to the Oktoberfest that happens every year. That's something to behold. I've already set the date in my calendar for their arrival. Can you imagine, Dilly, how the tabloids will react to seeing the England captain, Harry Kane, wearing leather shorts? It's going to be totally reasonable, I'm sure. Hi, listeners. I'm back. I was just taking a break when Nick went back to football and I just caught up on my correspondence. Hey, this is this is so, this story is so our story. Come on. It's the captain of England joining the largest, most successful German football team. He's arrived in Munich. He's another another migrant to the fine city of Munich, to Bavaria, just like your beloved podcast host. It's me, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's very on brand. I mean, do you think the, the sort of British people will be able to handle seeing, or at least English people will be able to handle seeing the England captain wearing lederhosen and drinking like a mass glass? at Oktoberfest, or do you think they're going to lose their minds? Is this something we've got to look out for? I think, I think like at least one person is going to like camp outside his home, uh, eating donuts, drinking coffee, just waiting to catch a glimpse because that is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> I think there's more than one. There's probably teams of them. I do have some questions for you, Nick. Let me steer this mm -hmm. away. Let me steer this away to the practicalities of Harry Kane's move. So, from one English bloke who moved to Bayern from the UK to another English bloke who is moving to Bayern from the UK. What useful moving advice can you give Harry Kane? Oh, well, I mean, I, can't, I don't think I've got a lot of advice for Harry Kane because he's probably got like 20 people who are moving him currently uh, to his home. So I, don't, I think all the documentation, I don't think he's ever going to have to stand in a queue at the Auslander Amt or sign any kind of registration documents. I think it's all very much going to be uh, done for him. 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I guess uh, one thing I would advise him to do is perhaps avoid the German and uh, Bayern keeper Manuel Neuer, who uh, has a habit of getting injured, especially on skiing trips. So maybe when Manuel Neuer turns to Harry Kane and says, what are you doing for the winter break? And he goes, oh, I don't know, I'm decided. And Neuer's like, do you fancy coming skiing with me? <laughs> I would suggest to Harry Kane that he doesn't take up that right. invitation as just a, um, a simple choice. I mean, he's chosen a great city. I mean, Munich, I have my own sort of issues with Munich, but it's, it's a great city. It's a lovely place to, to live. Uh, I think it's going to be a very big uh, difference from uh, life in in, in in London, for sure. I think it's going to be a little bit more sedate, if anything, mm-hmm. in comparison. He's moving from a real metropolis to a much smaller city, 8 million people to 1.5 million people, I think it is, in, in Munich. Very dense population as well, so it's all very packed in together. But there's so much to see, isn't there? There's so much beautiful architecture, beautiful art galleries, there's markets, there's... There's the parks, there's the English Garden, of course, which I'm sure he has already been taken round and someone's gone, oh, this is the English Garden and you're English. Uh-huh, let's take some photos. So I'm sure that's happened. But yeah, there's lots to do. You're in, excited. In, in, in... Look at you. I, I'm excited. I, it's Harry, fuck's sake, man. It's Harry Kane. Honestly, he's one of the greatest, one of the greatest England strikers. One of the, what it, I have very, very fond memories of, of, of Euro 2020 and watching his his uh, escapades or even before that in, in 2018 in the World Cup. So I've got a very strong fondness for Herr Kane. Yes, I can see that. You sound like the leader of the fan club. Now, that would be Simon, former co-host Simon, who um, I have got in touch with and uh, he is uh, recovering from the shock news that Harry Kane has left, although he's... Bears him no ill will. Uh, so. so what should Harry Kane bring that he won't find here in the supermarkets? What should he have his large group of eight people pack for him? Uh, again, I, I still think it's probably more than more like 20, but um, entourages, eh? Uh, I don't know, a bacon probably. You're not going to get any bacon here. Oh, yeah. That's a straight up. Most things you can get. It's like, it's like I said, I've said before on the podcast, things have changed a lot in the last decade. Stuff that was just not available in 2011 2010 is now easily available here most things you can get if you desperately desperately want them i mean there's little things things like hobnobs stuff like that you know you can get versions of but they're never really the same but that's kind of part of the joy of moving and as uh, harry kane said he's, he's looking forward to living in the city and uh, getting into life here learning the language so he best just go off and find some uh, interesting food choices. There's various markets over the weekends in, in Munich that are worth going to. Have some quite interesting food options too. So definitely check them out. I'd be surprised if he's not in a beer hall at some point because that's another one of the very typical things, the Hofbrauhaus or something. Mm-hmm. So what should Harry Kane know about the cultures in Bayern that he won't read about in The Lonely Planet? Something I'm massive on, especially for English people, is tone of voice. And understanding that in Germany, they're not going to speak English with the same tonality and certainly not with the same intonation. And that nearly everything you'll hear in English will probably be in the fall. And the fall, dear listeners, is the tone or intonation that we use in order to indicate seriousness. So most Germans will often say things like, I really like your haircut. (laughs) And they really mean it. But they happen to have used the fall. And because they've used the fall and not something like, I really like your haircut, which I think is the rise and um, high rise, low fall, something like that, where they've not emphasized something, it tends to sound a little bit like they're being sarcastic or rather slightly serious. So don't be perturbed by that. Okay. I, I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to sounds and phonetics. Uh, Sandra Janssen is your go-to person for that. Oh yeah, I'm sure Sandra could could teach me uh, uh, much more than than I, I know already about it. But certainly, that was one of the realizations I had about about communicating mm-hmm. in English. Um, in German, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, totally more sense. And 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 honestly, I feel like my brain can click quite easily now between that. I don't get offended at the translations of German directness, but I get still get offended by German directness that's translated to English. Mm. Um, 
what fruit should he try? Is it a hops or a fruit, right? So why don't we why don't we just bang in some beers? It's a flower. I don't know. I mean, like tomatoes, I guess they're in season right now. They're quite nice. Um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really not the person to ask about fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you about the sausages. Get get yourself a vice first, mate. Get yourself a vice first and some Sussex Senf. That's what and you want. Some sweet mustard. What will he find offensive at first? Mostly everything will be in some way offensive. It's that adjustment period where you don't really know anything and you're still basing all your decisions on your kind of ethnocentric British perspectives, which are so badly aligned with German kind of communication and nuances. So I would say just assume you know nothing and um, try and be more relaxed about what you might perceive as something that's offensive. All right. What should he eat? Do you have anything more to add, like other than vice first? Well, it's vice first, frustuk or, or or bust, if, if you ask me. A butter bretza, I've I've actually had to stop eating them because I've gained a lot of weight. A butter bretza a day apparently makes means you have to go see the doctor very regularly. If if I missed sausage rolls when I arrived here, I'd miss butter bretza if I, if if I moved away which is why I'll never move. So yeah, that's something that is so simple and obvious and amazing. That's uh, good. Obatzla is the other thing that I would choose, which is the mm-hmm. kind of sort of cheesy spread. It's kind of like a cheese. It's also a bit rubbery. It's amazing. So I'd I'd get that in your What's face that as well. Name? I believe it's pronounced Obatzla. And, I, and you'd have to look it up. Oh, but um, I know, I know, listener, I can hear you already going, that's not how you say it. I O-butster. know. I understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Obatsta. It's a Bavarian cheese bread. And it's, it's great. It is. It's really good. So, so a little pro tip for you uh, out there. Some people have put onions on it. Some people put like chives and stuff. I heartily suggest that you get some uh, some sriracha or perhaps some kind of Tabasco and uh, bang that in on the tops, mix it in, and what you have is um, a taste sensation, I promise you. Also, um, any kind of verse salat is definitely to be recommended. Uh, Fleisch salat as well. It's a little bit fatty. There's a lot of mayonnaise in there, but fucking hell, that's something that um, is, is, is amazing and well worth uh giving giving a go and um and my, my local raver does a pretty nice uh Valnus uh Sonnenblumenbrot and I can recommend that too. I can't believe that we went to worst salad that we went to like sausage. How can you are you you gonna you got some you got a problem with a worst salad? Yeah I have a problem with like uh, dumping everything in a pot and calling it a salad. Fucking honestly. Shredding sausages. What's wrong with it? explain to me what's your problem what is your problem are you just a salad purist is that's what it is no i like my salads with fruit and nuts and and cheese i like it with fruit and nuts and i put some fruit and nuts in there like a really fucker no why would you eat sausage with mayonnaise why would you make such a boring salad? Is like, oh, I'm gonna put some fruit in it. What would you put in your worst salad other than sausage and mayonnaise, Nicholas? Radishes, versed, gherkins, bit more versed, different kinds of versed, <laughs> onions. More oh versed. yeah, two two vegetables, gherkins and 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 onions. It doesn't matter, man. It's I mean, it's still a salad, isn't it? It's not a it's salad. It's just salad. it's just shredded things. That's not what makes it a salad. Salad, noun, plural noun, salad, a cold dish of various mixtures of raw or cooked vegetables, usually seasoned with oil, vinegar, or other dressings, and sometimes accompanied by meat, fish, or other ingredients. So you are going to trust the source that says a salad is a plural noun? A mixture, content, no, I said a noun, salad, plural noun. You said plural, plural noun, a salads. plural noun, you said it. Yeah, and you I said, said it noun and you can't first. take it back. It's, listener, inherently by calling you listeners, I have to assume that you have been listening and you will know very clearly that what I said was noun, salad, plural noun, salads. But there we go. A mixture containing a specified ingredient served with a dressing. So that would be a definition that would very much match our fine versed salad. Yeah, I don't know how you would have, have a problem with it. It's real simple, real basic, real traditional. 
nice uh, accompaniment with a meal. Sometimes it can be the meal in itself. Oh, with a nice just, just sausage salad. Bit of, oh, bit of broadside, bang, Bob's your uncle. Exactly what you want. Maybe you should just give us an update on like the kind of food that you eat every day or not the fruit that you don't want to eat. I'd like to know that. Hey, I'm not eating. I'm not. Jesus Christ, what, do you th- what kind of digestive system do you think I have? If I could eat one of the verse salad every day, I'd be, I'd be sort of releasing cement blocks. This <laughs> 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 is ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's a thing you eat maybe once a week if you're lucky. If you're eating it every day, uh, you have problems. I, I do agree. But it's it's totally fine. I'll not have any of this uh, anti-verse salad narrative on the, on the podcast. Damn it. I've had to accept fruit as something that is occasionally discussed. You'll listen to me when I talk about this. <laughs> oh, you're cute. You're cute if you think that's going to work. Otherwise, there'll be a verse salad corner in your future, Dilly, and you won't like it. <laughs> I have I have books on salad, thank you. And they have more than 50 pages. Thank you. You have books on salad, yeah. Dilly. Fucking must be rock and roll around your house. like You know, it's like fig... <laughs> Fig, fig and feta with honey, you know, that sort of thing. It's too sophisticated oh, for your three ingredients, you know? you know. You know, sometimes you say things, Dilly, and I'm like, I'm totally, me and Dilly are just exactly the same. And then you say some things and I'm like, who is this person? And how does she get on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to find yourself on podcast Tinder soon. Ha. Probably, probably. I deserve it. <laughs> That brings us to the end of the show. Dilly is currently heading to Bayern to make an official apology for insulting our wondrous first salad. Yeah, not with a long, long steak neck. She's so belligerent. If you're enjoying the <laughs> podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algama, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All I have to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Cheers! Okay, let's talk about Harry Kane. Rock me like a Harry Kane! Sorry, okay. You can keep that in the show if you like. That's going to be the sound bite, isn't it? Dear <laughs> yeah, Lord, it will I indeed. lift this down one day? <laughs>